Guys, my new book, How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital, just hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. It's ranking extremely high on Kindle and Audible, and I want to thank you guys for grabbing it. If you haven't bought it yet, here's what James Y. said in an Amazon review on March 8th. He said, literally, a step-by-step blueprint for conquering the world and building your own empire. Five stars. It's a verified purchase. He goes on to say, if you like doing things the hard way, don't read this book. For everyone else who appreciates someone showing you what to do and why it works step-by-step so you can rinse and repeat and accomplish the same results, read this book now in all caps. He then says, pro tip, stock up on highlighters while you're adding this to your Amazon cart, you'll be using them. This book should be required reading for every entrepreneur, startup or founder, business person, and human. Seriously, Nathan is not a kind of class that cuts through all the bull crap, he used a different word, to show you what you need to do and how to do it. If success came with an instruction manual, this book would be it. We'll be stocking up and handing these out as Christmas gifts to all my friends and colleagues. If I could give this book a six-star review, I would. From James, James, thank you. All you that listen to the podcast, thank you so much. SaaS founders are loving the book. Go grab an audible version right now at capitalistbook.com. Launched in 2008, Distillery was a pure play DSP platform. Uh, net margin on that over the past, call it 12 months, has been about 27 million bucks on 20, uh, sorry, on about 55 million through that platform. Recently said, you know what, let's decouple this. Our core product is our audience data. They've launched a data product in late 2017, put about 25 million bucks to spend through that platform. They take a 20% cut on that because, and people are willing to pay it because the data again, gives them great lifts. So 5 million revenue on that side, they've raised about 60 million bucks looking to continue scaling with their team of 107 people based in New York city and other remote locations. This is the top entrepreneurs podcast where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Michael Beebe. He's the CEO of Distillery, a financial executive investor with extensive experience in strategic and financial analysis and management. He brings deep domain expertise in the global advertising media, technology, telecom, payments, and consumer sectors. Michael, are you ready to take us to the top? Let's go. All right. What is Distillery and how do you guys make money? Distillery um, is a, uh, we think of ourselves as the leading applied data science company serving the advertising and marketing industry. Uh, Our mission is to um, unlock brands' growth potential by helping them find and target their highest value existing and new customers. Um, And we make money essentially by uh, selling insights uh, about who uh, a particular client's uh, customers are. Um, we sell the data that they need in order to reach those customers uh, via any activation platform of their choice, or we provide the activation services via our core uh, business, which is a, a demand side platform, a DSP. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, we had we had Bill Wise from Media Ocean on recently, and and everyone in the ad tech space is trying to figure out how to move away from this kind of being the middleman ad techs because as a negative connotation and a transaction percentage model to a pure SaaS play. And they're usually turning to like some data offering or something like that. It sounds like you're following that same path. We absolutely are. 
Um, yeah. We start with the, what I think is an advantage over maybe some of those other guys, at least we like to believe it is, and that is that our audiences um, are uh, some of the best, highest performance audiences in the industry. And, and we really start from, from the perspective of um, data scientists. How do we make this product uh, kind of the best performing product in the market? And that's always been the, the basis even of our, our DSP or activation business. Um, it's been, you know, very pure, uh, high, highly performant, high resolution, behaviorally driven audiences. And give me an example. Uh, so, you know, the, the example that, that we like to use is uh, backyard chicken farmers. That is an audience that we have created. And that audience is comprised of people who are showing um, signal in their, their overall digital fingerprint that they are interested in growing chickens in their backyard in this case. Um, another, another one that we use is... Um, people who are in market for an automobile or for um, DIY services, uh, people who are in market for um, a, a mortgage or people who are in market for a new kitchen. Um, these people show very specific uh, and um, high signal behaviors that indicate that they are um, in the market for any of those particular things. Uh, and we are very good at understanding those signals, seeing those signals, extracting the noise from around those signals, uh, and keeping the audiences that reflect each of those particular behaviors really, really fresh. So the day... Uh, oh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's a really short podcast. Why, why are you better than other people? Is it a unique data source? Is it something about how you analyze the data? Why are you unique? <clears throat> what makes us unique, I think, is um, that not necessarily... Uh, the data that we ingest or any of the particular data sources. It's the uh, quantity and variety of data that we ingest. We ingest not only the bid stream, which is ad-supported um, uh, behavioral data, but non-ad-supported behavioral data, which we trade or purchase uh, for, so we can see what people are doing outside of the ad-supported internet. And we also incorporate um, mobile data, location-based data, app data. Um, that variety of different data um, is sort of the raw ingredients to a consumer behavioral profile that is unique in the integration of all those data and those data sets, as well as the processes that we use to um, clean that data of all the fraud and the misleading, uh, misleading behaviors or non-human behaviors. So it's really the intermediate data, that consumer user behavioral profile, which makes us different and we think better. Let's focus just on the SaaS product here moving forward. So on the SaaS product you're selling, I don't want to go down every customer cohort, but just on average, what does a customer pay for that? So, um, well, I didn't say we're selling a SaaS product. What we're selling really is a data product. And mm -hmm. that data product is um, still activated uh, uh, via a CPM or a revenue share, just like the traditional media business. Um, however, decoupling the data from our own activation platform has allowed us to be more ubiquitous. If you want to activate against our industry-leading performant audiences on the trade desk or AppNexus or the, the platform of your choice, you can now acquire our data, either our syndicated segments or custom segments built just for your brand. Um, via any platform that you like. But so, so give me a real example of how, of how you price and if it's not a SaaS model. So the way that we price, for instance, uh, selling on, on the trade desk is we price uh, off a of CPM. Uh, so 
or, or, or a revenue share. So we, t- we take 20% of the media dollar spent against our audiences is, a, is an example of one way that we would price our data. Uh, but I thought you said you separated this out of the, D- out of the DSP, out of the ad techs model. Yeah, so not on, our, not on our DSP, on a third-party DSP. Oh, you're still taking 20% of ad spend, even if they're just taking your data and plugging it into their other DSP, even if it's not your own DSP. Exactly. Michael, that sounds expensive as hell. (laughs) Well, our data performs, man. How do you, how do you track that attribution though? So when someone like me comes and says, Michael, this is expensive as hell. You can say, yeah, but look at the attribution. We give you this much lift. Well, I'm not sure what your um, reference point is for that being expensive as hell. Um, 20% of the media dollar is a pretty standard rate. That well, if you're using their, D- if you're going through their platform, but you're, what you just said, I'll make sure I'm getting this correctly, is even if they don't go through your platform, you're still charging them 20% of the spend they're putting through their own platform if they're using your data. The, so in, in the case of a brand who's advertising, uh, who's buying digital media via the trade desk and they buy a dollar worth of media against our audiences, we take 20 cents of that dollar. Yeah, but they're, I just want to make sure they're doing that spend or they're facilitating that through another platform, not your own, but it's exactly. based off your data. You'll exactly. still take 20 cents on that dollar. Exactly. And that's a pretty standard rate um, for third-party data providers across, you know, across different activation platforms. I just feel like that is such an expensive ad text in the middle. I mean, why aren't people, I mean, I know there are people doing this. There are people coming in trying to tackle that and say, we can remove these expensive middlemen so that, hey, brand, your dollar, the whole dollar actually goes to the spend. Yeah, well- So how um, do you beat them? How do you beat those guys trying to cut out the middlemen? We haven't encountered that difficulty yet, quite honestly. You know, Mm -hmm. our data uh, product, which didn't exist in 2017 until, until Q4, uh, has been growing nicely across some of those uh, third-party platforms uh, and is generating, you know, a lot of good feedback from clients who are saying, hey, man, this distillery data actually performs better than the other third-party segments in the marketplace. So how many dollars have you processed since you launched late 2017? Are we talking millions, hundreds of millions, billions? Uh-huh. Uh, in terms of data revenue, so the 20% that we take, um, it's been approximately $5 million. Okay, so I can multiply that times five. You've processed about 25 million through or using or against your data set. Exactly. From okay. standing start in October of 2017. Now, were most of these original customers, though, people that were using your DSP and you said, hey, if you want to decouple, you can use our other product? I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say we can make that generalization. We see a lot of, of new customers using our uh, data through um, third-party activation platforms. Um, that we hadn't had in the past. But yeah, there are certainly some who were reactivating, who had, who had chosen not to use our activation platform and moved on to a third-party platform who are uh, happy to see the distillery audiences that you know, they know and love um, now available via the trade desk, for instance. Interesting. When did the company launch, the whole thing, not just the, the, data, the data service? Distillery uh, launched in 2008. So we've been a 10-year-old company. Bootstrapped or V-raised? Uh, V-raised. Sorry, what raised? VC. We've raised raised, how much? Sixty million dollars. Sixty. Okay. Yeah. So okay. So so pretty well funded here. How did the how the investors respond to the pivot away from just a pure DSP play? Uh, They've responded well. You know, we raised a little bit of capital in 2018 in order to uh, fund that those new businesses. Was it like a bridge round kind of? So you grow into a better valuation to keep raising if you need to in the future? Exactly. It was it was a small inside round. Debt or pure equity? Pure equity. How do you have any debt? Do you have any venture debt? We don't have any venture debt. We do have a line of credit. Uh, like a term loan? A revolver against our receivables. Yeah, back, yeah. Back by our assets. 
Yeah, that's great. That, 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 that financial product, and you're from the financial space, but that financial product is growing rapidly when you look at firms like Hercules, Timia, Silicon Valley Bank, et cetera. Yeah, we're familiar with those guys. Yeah, very. Who'd you end up deciding to work with out of curiosity? Uh, we have always been a client of SVB, a very happy So you like them. Okay, very good. All right. Um, talk to me. Okay, so, so you're still taking ad tax. In the beginning of the show, I mentioned, you know, a lot of these people are trying to you know, shift to something that is pure play SaaS. Do you have any plans to launch a, a pure play SaaS product here or no? We do. Um, we have been working on what we call an insights product, which is really uh, data that allows brands to really understand who their customers are. Uh, it's a different sell. It's a sell to a different customer base than the pure data or media activation services that comprise really our, our, our existing businesses in ad tech. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we think about it as a, uh, a dashboard that a client can use to really understand who their audiences are and how those audiences behave online and offline and how those audiences are developing, um, what the sub-segments and sub-populations are that comprise their audiences. A lot of brands have a very monolithic understanding of who their audience is, and we allow them to sort of see uh, sub-segments of their audiences that have been hiding in their blind spots. Mm-hmm. So that is a business that we, we refer to broadly as insights. Um, we deliver it both on a consultative basis and we're beginning to um, develop it into more of a subscription-based product that will sell on a SaaS basis. Smart lesson there for anyone trying to get into SaaS is, you know, a lot of the most successful SaaS companies start off on a consulting basis because then you start recognizing patterns between clients you're consulting for and then that's what you build software around. Is that Absolutely. It is, yeah. a, it is a key to a key to discovery of what it is that clients will pay for is that consultative one-to-one um, relationship and dialogue that you develop with your early customers through that, through that, yeah. uh, through that process. What's your team size today? How many folks? We have 107 people at the facility today. All in New York? Majority in New York. We've got a few sales offices in San Francisco, Chicago, Atlanta, LA, and Boston. Okay. So a few spots there, small cities, you know, um, <laughs> last question here. We didn't talk much about your, your kind of older, your older business model, which is the DSP side, but let's say someone uses your data and your DSP, a dollar going through that system. Are you taking 40%, 25%? What is it? Our, uh, our net margin, including our audiences. So our net revenue margin is approximately uh, 50%. Okay. So you're taking it's about 50, 50 cents on the dollar. But what you're telling me is Nathan, even if you think that feels high, people are totally willing to pay that because the lift is there. Our data is better. Our audiences are our core product. Whether you're activating them through our platform, through a third-party platform, or whether you are, you are looking for insights, the yep. core currency of distillery is highly performant, high-resolution, behavioral audiences. Yep. And on that historical product, total spend past 12 months, generally, where are you guys at? On the core, on the core DSP yeah. product? On a net revenue basis, it's approximately $27 million. Okay, so I can double that. I can double that to get spent through the platform about 55? Yes, sir. That's great. That's healthy growth there and a nice expansion and a new product line with the data product. So good stuff. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book, Michael? Uh, My favorite business book, uh, Letters to a Young Contrarian by Christopher Hitchens. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Uh, My... um, career has been spent following media and advertising and I admire Sir Martin Sorrell. Sir Martin Sorrell. Which company is he with? He, he is uh, recently departed from WPP and now running a, a small uh, sort of WPP for the digital age, which he calls S4. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? Uh, 
I would say my favorite tool of, of all time is, is a Bloomberg terminal. Number two, <laughs> spoken like a true guy coming from FinTech, right? Uh, number, uh, number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, six on a good night. And what's your situation? Married, single kiddos? Married with three kids. Wow. And how old are you? I am 46 years old. 46. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Uh, I wish my 20 year old self was more comfortable with uncertainty. You know, I started my career uh, in the investment business and I was always looking for the right answer. And uh, what I've, what I've realized as I've aged is, Hey man, you got to be able to develop conviction with imperfect and incomplete information. And if my younger self had, had realized that sooner, I, I think it would have been uh, all better. Guys, there you have it. Launched in 2008, Distillery was a pure play DSP platform. Uh, net margin on that over the past, call it 12 months, has been about 27 million bucks on 20, uh, sorry, on about 55 million through that platform. Recently said, you know what, let's decouple this. Our core product is our audience data. They've launched a data product in late 2017, put about 25 million bucks to spend through that platform. They take a 20% cut on that because, and people are willing to pay it because the data again, gives them great lift. So 5 million in revenue on that side, they've raised about 60 million bucks looking to continue scaling with their team of 107 people based in New York city and other remote locations. Michael, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks a lot, Nathan. Take care.